Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rolling ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle to the Rio Grande Valley. The finalists for this year's Texas Farm Bureau Excellence in Agriculture Contest have been named. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. The impact of the La Nina weather pattern on Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. West Texas A&M University is home to a new research project that has implications for both animal health and human medicine. I'm James Hunt, and I'll bring you that story from Canyon. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. Three Texans are being recognized for their work in agriculture. The finalists for this year's Texas Farm Bureau Excellence in Agriculture Contest are Cody Berry of Angelina County, Laura Reed of Denton County, and Jessica Rumbaugh of Wharton County. The contest recognizes men and women between the ages of 18 and 35 who are involved in agriculture but do not earn their primary income from a farm or ranch enterprise. Barry is a high school agricultural science teacher and FFA advisor in the Hudson ISD. Reed is a high school agriculture science teacher and FFA advisor in the Denton ISD. Rumbaugh owns and operates Texas land and home real estate. The winner of the contest will be named at TFB's annual meeting November 30th. Another farm event is moving online. The annual Commodity Classic, which was slated to be held in San Antonio, will now be held online the first week of March. Event organizers say the move was necessary because coronavirus guidelines would have prevented the trade show, educational sessions, and farmer networking. Details on the digital event will be posted on commodityclassic.com closer to the event. Part of the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and National Cattlemen's Beef Association Trade Show, which was scheduled for February 3rd through the 5th, will now be held August 10th through the 12th in Nashville. NCBA will still hold some of its traditional business meetings in January or February. Registration for the convention and trade show is available on ncba.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The impacts of La Nina are being felt across the entire state of Texas right now. Tom Nicoletti talks with a Fort Worth meteorologist about the impacts of this weather pattern. My guest today from Fort Worth is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw. And uh, Tom, you're joining us again uh, this month to take a look at the weather across the state of Texas. Uh, The month of October uh, was a relatively dry month here. 
Yeah, good to be with you again, Tom. And and definitely goes out saying that we had a very dry month across virtually all of Texas. The vast majority of the state saw precipitation readings well below normal for the month of October. October is normally one of the wettest months in the state of Texas. And this was one of the driest months that we've actually had in many, many years for many, many areas of Texas. There was a little bit of relief for parts of uh, North Texas, West Texas at the very end of the month. But for the most part, it was very dry and actually much warmer than normal for many locations. So going into the month of November, temperature-wise and precipitation-wise, it is still looking as though the La Nina effect, drier than normal, warmer than normal, is going to have an impact on the Southwest and uh, in particular Texas. Yeah, definitely. The La Nina pattern that we have in place across uh, the western U.S. is really the big story right now. The month of November is normally a month of transition, as we all know, here in the state of Texas. You really start seeing these strong cold fronts diving southward from out of the northern plains across the state of Texas. You start seeing much, much colder temperatures. Uh, You know, we get widespread freezes across a good part of the state, and we obviously get transient storm systems coming across and bringing not only rainfall, but we start seeing some winter precipitation in the northern counties. It's still possible we'll see patterns like that again this year. However, with La Nina really kicking in, I think more than anything else, we're going to have a relatively dry month of November across virtually all of the state of Texas, and it will continue to be warmer than normal. Not to say we won't have brief periods of, of colder temperatures here and there, but for the most part, average temperatures are going to be above normal relative to, to long-term normals across the state, and that's just going to continue to exacerbate our drought conditions and our fire weather concerns for a good part of Lone Star State. The drought monitor for Texas is showing a lot of exceptional drought and extreme drought in uh, far west Texas and uh, up towards uh, the panhandle. At least 20 counties are in the exceptional drought category, so they certainly need the precipitation out there. Yeah, we are in really, really rough shape out in the Panhandle and parts of the Southern Plains out into the Trans-Pecos towards El Paso. Unfortunately, we don't see a whole lot of relief um, on the horizon for those counties. We'll probably continue to be in serious drought through the month of November and probably through the rest of the year, uh, as long as this La Nina pattern continues to hold in place across the western U.S., um, which it's going to be really, really rough flooding as far as precipitation for Texas. Well, it certainly looks like the La Nina pattern is going to hold tough, at least to the end of the year and most likely through the entire winter. There are some signs that we'll start to see some return back to neutral conditions by the spring or the summer of next year. That is Tom Bradshaw. He is meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. West Texas A&M University is home to a new research project that has implications for both animal health and human medicine. James Hunt has the story from Canyon. With funding provided through a $500,000 grant from the Food and Drug Administration, ag scientists at West Texas A&M University in Canyon are engaged in a new research project aimed at preventing antimicrobial drug resistance in cattle. It's an issue that also involves human health considerations because of the concern that overuse of certain medicines in livestock production contributes to human resistance to those same medicines. Dr. Paul Morley is Director of Research for Vero, the Veterinary Education, Research, and Outreach Program at West Texas A&M. The big 
effort of ours in terms of the overall research program that we're conducting here at Vero is examining the ways that we use antibiotics, trying to find ways that we can achieve the same health and welfare goals for animals while using less antibiotics. For this new project, the focus is on reducing the use of tylosin, which is used to address liver ailments in cattle. Morley says for the research, cattle will be divided into four groups. One is a group that is fed tylosin throughout the feeding period, which is the typical way that tylosin is included in the ration. And then they'll have some that don't receive any tylosin. And then we will have two different experimental groups where we're looking for shorter intervals for use of tylosin to see whether or not we can reduce the time period over which they're exposed and still achieve the same level of control of liver abscesses. Vero, which is overseeing the overall project, is a partnership of West Texas A&M's College of Agriculture and Natural Sciences and Texas A&M's College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences. Other universities contributing to the FDA research project are Iowa State, Michigan State, and Colorado State. Also participating in the research are Five Rivers Cattle Feeding, Cactus Feeders, Friona Industries, and the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Morley says having those feedlot industry representatives participate fits the overall mission of Vero. When this program was formed, the intention was always to partner with regional and local industry to help promote the well-being of business and agriculture in the Panhandle as well as the communities. I look forward to bringing you updates on this new research endeavor and Vero's other work. In Canyon, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Doster Harper is an agri-science and environmental systems major at the University of Georgia, and he was elected National FFA President last week. Each year during the National FFA Convention, six students are elected by delegates to represent the organization as national officers. This year, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the event was held virtually. Harper says the virtual convention was still very engaging for students. You know, I've really appreciated the way the National FFA has made this year's convention so engaging for students. It was just really incredible to watch my favorite part, which was the students' reactions on Zoom to all of the award announcements that they were finding out if they won their award or not. Most of all of the agri-science fair competitions and proficiency area competitions were all televised live. And so students were finding out if they won those results live, which was incredible to see the reactions inside their classroom or wherever they were at in the country, just to see all that hard work pay off for them and to see them earn the right to get recognized nationally. National FFA officers commit to a year of service to the National FFA organization. USDA has paid out more than half of the funds it has for the second round of the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Stephanie Ho has more from Washington. Response to the second round of USDA's Coronavirus Food Assistance Program has been strong. As of October 22nd, we've approved 400, over 443,000 applications, and we've approved for payment a little over $7.6 billion for the CFAP2 program in payments. That was Farm Service Agency Administrator Richard Fordyce. CFAP1 and CFAP2 are two unique programs. In some cases, CFAP2 is similar to CFAP1, but in others, it's a little 
little different. Therefore, ag producers who received funds under CFAP 1 will have to submit another application for CFAP 2. There's a number of resources that folks can utilize at the farmers.gov forward slash CFAP website. There's FAQs there. There's also an application, you know, that producers may want to look at to kind of familiarize themselves with the application and maybe what information is needed. The deadline to apply is December 11th. This is Stephanie Ho for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Fall turkey season is approaching. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have this year's forecast on Texas Ag Today. And if your dog is allergic and your veterinarian has recommended a food trial, new research indicates the trial may not need to be as long as originally thought. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If your dog is allergic and your veterinarian has recommended a food trial, new research indicates the trial may not need to be as long as originally thought. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. Allergies are a major problem in Texas dogs. I believe almost 60% of the dogs seen at our Central Texas practice have some form of allergy. And although food allergies are a small percent, it is still important. Food allergies are difficult to diagnose as blood testing is ineffective for food allergies and the only method of diagnosis is a food trial. Historically, food trials consist of feeding a special food from your veterinarian for eight to 10 weeks to determine if the food is helping the allergy. The dog can only eat the prescribed food and nothing else, including no regular treats or table scraps, as this can cause the food trial to be inaccurate. Dogs cannot even take oral heartworm or oral flea preventative and must instead use topical products because these oral medications have flavoring in them. So you can see that food trials are very difficult and the reason that many clients will not do them is because they require such a long period. However, Dr. Allison Diesel from Texas A&M indicated a recent paper in the Journal of Veterinary Dermatology concluded that in many cases, the food trial could be performed over a shorter length of time. All dogs were placed on prednisone and the new food on day one to decrease inflammation and itching for two weeks, and the food trial was continued for four weeks. After only four weeks total, dogs were examined, and those that were not showing symptoms of allergy were fed their old diet, and those that reacted to their old diet were determined to have a food allergy. This new information makes the use of a food allergy trial easier on the dog owner and the patient. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas turkey hunters are looking forward to a good season this fall, kicking off this weekend. Jessica Domel takes a look in today's wildlife report. 
The fall turkey season officially kicks off on Saturday, November 7th. Jason Harden, wild turkey program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says he thinks the season will be pretty good. Going back to 2019, some of our trapping data, we actually only caught about 15% juveniles. So those would have been birds born in 2018. This past trapping season, we were at 53% juvenile. So over three times as many young birds in the population. So those would have been Jake's and Jenny's. going to be a lot of year old birds out there this year, which is always great for both fall and spring hunting. And I think we had a pretty decent hatch this past spring and summer and pretty good recruitment, an early nesting effort. So we're going to see some jakes out there this year, probably a little bit of a beard on them. Should be seeing quite a few birds across most of the Rio Grande range. Not all Texas counties have a fall turkey season. We have turkey seasons in East Texas. We have a one gobbler season in a 10 county region east of I-35. And those are spring only seasons. So just make sure, check your regulations, go on the Parks and Wildlife website, go to hunting, click on the animal and and it'll let you know in the county that you plan to hunt if there is an open season. So definitely pay attention to that. Make sure you're not fall hunting in a place that doesn't have fall seasons. Harden encourages hunters to check the Outdoor Annual app or website as bag limits and composition vary. So we have an annual bag limit of four birds. If you're hunting in a county that has a fall season, you have a four-bird annual bag limit. And that begins September 1. So for most hunters, they should have four tags on their hunting license, and therefore they can take them. Now, if they want to go back in the spring, they're still working on that same set of four tags. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market trades lower throughout the day on Monday. However, it turned around to close mixed, with most of our live cattle contracts higher. We'll take a look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mostly lower trade in the cattle market on Monday. However, right before the close, things turned around. and We actually closed mostly higher on live cattle mixed for feeder cattle. Here's a rundown on the closing prices. December live cattle up 25, 108.55. February up 12 at 110.52. April live cattle up 17, 113.82. Feeder cattle were mixed. The November down 42, 136.97. January feeders down 7, 134.05. March feeder cattle up 30 cents, 133.82. Cash fed cattle trade at a standstill on Monday. We had a fairly light trade on fed cattle last week, so feedlots anxious to get into the market this week. So far, no bids reported from the packers, no asking prices from the feedlots. Boxed beef prices higher, choice up 55 cents, 208.65, select up a dollar four, 192.28. 
Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. Buffalo Livestock Market, Buffalo, Texas, selling 1,307 head over the weekend. The trend was steady to higher. Two to 300 pound steers, $1.15 to $1.65 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.10 to $1.65. Four to five weights, $1.05 to $1.70. Five to six hundred pounders, ninety-five to a dollar forty-six. Six to seven weight steers, eighty-five to a dollar thirty. Seven to eight weight steers, seventy-five cents to a dollar twenty a pound. Slaughter cows brought fifteen to sixty-four cents. Slaughter bulls, fifty-five to eighty-two. Stocker cows, seven fifty to thirteen hundred ahead. Cow-calf pairs, same price range, seven fifty to thirteen hundred a pair. Navasota Livestock Auction, Navasota, Texas, 1,205 heads sold over the weekend. Two to three weight steers, a dollar to two dollars a pound. Three to four weights, a dollar to a dollar eighty-five. Five to six hundred pounders, ninety to a dollar sixty-five. Five to six weight steers, eighty-five cents to a dollar thirty-seven. With the six to seven hundred pounders bringing eighty-five to a dollar twenty-five a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty to fifty-eight cents. Slaughter bulls, fifty to eighty-five. Stocker cows, six hundred to nine fifty ahead. Back over to the futures market where lean hogs close mixed. December up 37 cents, 65.95. February hogs down 25 at 65.30. November class 3 milk down 13 cents, 23.77 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed lower in a somewhat nervous trade. We saw some technical selling pushing prices down. Also some jitters over the election coming up on Tuesday. We closed with December cotton down 19 points, 68.73. The March down 6, 69.72. Dry weather concerns creeping back into the wheat market, making for a double-digit gain in Kansas City wheat. Dry weather in Russia, as well as a somewhat dry forecast here in the U.S. Helping to support prices, December Kansas City wheat up 11 and 3 quarters, 553 a bushel. New crop July wheat up 9 and 3 quarters at 568. December corn was down a penny, closing at 397 and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas down 11, 323. December crude oil up $1.25, 37.04 a barrel. The financial market's higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 433 points, 26,935. The Nasdaq up 5 at 10,917. The S&P 500 up 34, 3,304. Well, that wraps up the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to check us out again tomorrow. We'll be right here waiting to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.